I've got the key to the kingdom. The world can't do me no This is the daily podcast from St. Paul's Knightsbridge, an invitation to pause for not more than 10 minutes each day to think, to reflect and to pray. This week, as the church year draws to its close, Phil Davis explores the idea of the kingdom. This week we are reflecting on what it might mean to witness to Christ, to make his kingdom of unity, peace and love known to all people, in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. On Tuesday we considered what it might mean for us to witness in Jerusalem, in our context, within the church. And yesterday we contemplated Judea, those people who dip their toe into church from time to time, Christian if not regular worshippers. Today we turn to Samaria. Samaria, part of the modern-day West Bank to the north of Jerusalem. Disputed territory, the place of the other, pretty much as it was in the time of Jesus. The hostility between the Jewish and Samaritan people is clearly documented in the Gospels. Remember in the Gospel of John, the response of the woman at the well when Jesus asks her for water. What? You, a Jew, ask for a drink from a Samaritan woman. Jews do not share drinking vessels with Samaritans, she exclaimed. If in our model for witnessing to Christ, the people of Jerusalem are those on the inside and the people of Judea are on the outskirts, the people of Samaria are very much on the outside. But good, holy things can happen on what we perceive as the outside too. Remember Nathanael's response to Philip, telling him that Jesus of Nazareth is the man foretold by the prophets. Can anything good come out of Nazareth, he scoffed. Clearly it was unexpected for the Messiah to come from a poor hill town in the north, geographically further away from Jerusalem than even Samaria. And remember the parable of the Good Samaritan in the 10th chapter of Luke's Gospel. A man on a journey falls into the hands of robbers, leaving him half dead. A priest sees him, but passes by. And then a Levite, an assistant to the priests in the temple, also sees him, but also passes by. And then the Samaritan sees him, is moved with pity, takes him to safety, and makes sure he's okay. Clearly those who are not like us are also our neighbours, and are capable of living gospel lives, even if they have a different belief system, and wouldn't necessarily use our idioms. And that's a challenge for our established Church of England in a pluralistic and diverse society. William Temple, sometime Archbishop of Canterbury, wrote in the 1920s that, I quote, The kingdom in its completeness is a Christendom extended to include all mankind, utterly leavened by a church consisting of perfectly converted members. A necessary factor in this result is the conversion of all the world to Christianity. This rhetoric is very much of its time, isn't it? A church under threat in the dying days of empire, written about the same time that the Pope instituted the Feast of Christ the King to assert the supremacy of Christ on earth. The church fighting secularism. The irony is that the building of empire and the attempt to convert the world to Christianity through missionary work backfired, 
Yes, Anglican Christianity spread throughout the world, but with the empire we built a network of connections, which in turn has resulted in immigration of people to the UK from those countries. And with that immigration has come new religions. In fact, the UK is now one of the most diverse countries in the world. In 2014, Rowan Williams declared that we live in a post-Christian age. He said this, If I say that this is a post-Christian nation, that doesn't mean necessarily non-Christian. It means the cultural memory is still quite strongly Christian, and in some ways the cultural presence is still quite strongly Christian. But it is post-Christian in the sense that habitual practice for most of the population is not taken for granted. A Christian nation can sound like a nation of committed believers, and we are not that. Equally, we are not a nation of dedicated secularists. I think we're a lot less secular than the most optimistic members of the British Humanist Association would think. We are not a nation of committed Christians, but neither are we a nation of secularists. So what are we? Well, we are a pluralistic, religiously diverse society. The numbers of people who ascribe to Islam, Hinduism and Sikhism is increasing, as is the number of people describing themselves as non-religious, probably about half the population these days. The reality is that no one group has the monopoly on the spiritual life of the nation any longer. Our established Church of England is increasingly viewed and treated as just another religion. What might it mean for us to witness to Samaria in this context? Well, perhaps it's a call to engage with difference. We all have our preconceptions and unconscious bias about other faiths, don't we? And we have an instinctive sense of how we fit into society. This is our nation with our church and our society. But perhaps we might look beyond ourselves, engage with our neighbours of other faiths and of none, stand in their shoes, listen carefully to their faith stories and experience, and share our own with them. And if we listen prayerfully, we might just hear God prompting us to that unity, peace and love to which we are called, not only within our church and our nation, but throughout the world. Words of Edwin Markham. He drew a circle that shut me out, heretic, rebel, a thing to flout, but love and I had the wits to win. We drew a circle that took him in. Thank you for listening to this short podcast from St Paul's Knightsbridge. This is only one of many podcasts you'll find online. Please search Spotify or SoundCloud for details.